0: Hi, this is Eddie Markham, pastor of River of Life Church, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for taking the time and listening to our podcast. Hopefully, you're going to be inspired and impacted by our message today. I also want to let you know what's going on here at River of Life. God has just been blessing us, and we have outgrown our facility, and the time has come for us to get into a new building. We need to get into a bigger building. So we have kicked off a building campaign this year, and we are moving forward, and God is blessing it. So we are reaching out to you, our podcast listening audience. And just want to encourage you that if you would like to participate and make a donation into our building fund, please head over to our website. It's www.rol-ag.com. And right on the homepage there is a little donate button. Click on that follow the instructions, and just sow your seeds, sow into this ministry, and help us make this happen. I want to say thank you in advance, and I pray God continue to bless you and impact your life as you listen to the ministry at River of Life. Let me go over to John chapter 6. Kicked off a mini-series. I call it a mini-series, but it's turning into something we may be here for a while. In, the John, in John chapter 6, where Jesus has his largest following ever, the momentum of his ministry is at an all-time high, And so Jesus begins to call people out from the crowd to a higher level of commitment. As I said at the 930 service, I'm already prepared to not get a lot of amens today. Amen. Because we're going to get into it. You're going to see this is one of the toughest sermons, messages Jesus ever preached. And this is where he lost a lot of disciples and followers. So we pick it up in John chapter 6 verse 60 and it says therefore many of his disciples when they heard this they said this is a hard saying who can understand it when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this he said to them oh I'm sorry no he looked at him and said does this offend you What then if you would see the Son of Man ascend where he came from out of heaven? If you saw the heavens open and you saw me ascend into heaven, then would you believe anything I said? So he's starting to once again reveal their hearts to them of being so shallow. Then he says in verse 63, he says, it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were, who did not believe, and who would betray him. And he said to them, therefore, I've said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and followed him no more. I always remembered that because it's not only John 666. It's just a number, by the way, amen. John 6 6 but it's also a pivotal point in his followers and in his ministry that's that's devastating he follows up and Jesus says to the 12 do you also want to go away Peter spoke up Lord in whom shall we go you have or the main transcript says only you have the words of eternal life also we have come to believe in and to know that you are the Christ the son of the living God Jesus then answered to him and said, did I not choose you 12 and one of you as a devil? I don't know if Jesus is having a rough day or what, but he is just like to the point once again. And he spoke this, John writes, and says that he's talking about Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was him who would betray Jesus later. And so last week we talked about what it means to be a believer, and that's what Jesus is doing. He's bringing them out of the crowd to be a believer And then he's moving them over to be a follower. And then next week, he's teaching us how to be a finisher. That's why I can't wait to get to. So I called this series, From the Crowd to the Crown. Because Paul said, I finished my race. I have fought my fight, and I have kept the faith. And now there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. But not only for me, but for everyone else who finishes strong in the faith. Come on, somebody. So we're going in this series from the crowd to get our crown. So last week was I am a believer. Today, I am a follower. Father, thank you for your word today that you have preserved over all these years for us to listen, to hear, and to receive instruction this morning and this afternoon. I pray that you use me today as a conduit, Lord. Just speak through me today to challenge your people with grace and with truth, so that we would be perfected and be true followers of you to make it through these last days and be a finisher. I pray this in Jesus' name, and if you agree with this, say amen. Amen. Tell three people that you're a finisher or you're a follower before you're seated. Amen. Yes, amen. Yes, amen. Hallelujah, thank you, Pastor Steve, amen. I am a follower. Last week we learned, I want to encourage you, it was Labor Day weekend, and I hate, hate to start a new series on a, on a holiday, but it was the first of the month, and so I wasn't anticipating so many here, but we had another great turnout even for Labor Day, but we do understand there were several out. Uh, you want to go to our podcast, we put the 9.30 service on, on there. Uh, my personal favorite is always the 11.30. Uh, But I gotta really watch myself because I've already preached this, and so I got people on the front row that give me this cue right here, okay? Because I I don't want to get too loose, joking around, horsing around, and I'm liable to say stuff. You already repeated it, so it's hard for me the way I preach. I don't read a whole lot of my sermons. Uh, Nothing wrong with ministers to do that. I like to just preach from my heart. Well, sometimes I got to find something new to do that. And uh, but the 9:30 anyway, last week's message I talked about a wheelbarrow. And if you weren't here, you're going to be lost, but uh, you need to listen to that message. And uh, I used an illustration from the 1800s from a man named Charles Blunden, who was a tightrope walker, and he had a wheelbarrow, and he walked across the tightrope, and he asked how many people believe he can do it with a human being inside the wheelbarrow. Everybody lifted up his hand, their hands, and then he looked at the crowd, and he said, who wants to get in the wheelbarrow? And my point was, I used that to demonstrate true believe believing. The word believe means to trust and to commit, and those who were willing to get into the wheelbarrow demonstrate that they truly are believers, and so you want to get that message last week. It's what I talked about of what it means to be a believer. Today, we're going to go from a believer, from being in the wheelbarrow, from trusting in Jesus. Today, we're going to be a little bit more on being a follower, which I'm going to kind of press down a little bit more on that word that we all love, commitment. I told you it's going to be quiet. Amen. But listen, when Jesus was done with this crowd, he started with about 7,000 people. When he ended at this last chapter, he had 12 and one of them was a devil. But listen, 12 of them, those 12 changed the world. And so uh, what we're here to do and what my job is, is not to entertain, but to equip I want to make sure I want to equip you with the right tools and the essential tools that you're going to need to be a finisher in the faith so you can make it through whatever valley, whatever struggle, whatever issue you got. I want to help you make it through and to finish and to receive your crown and receive your blessing and receive what God has in store for you. Come on, somebody. So in order to do that, though, we got to kind of be challenged sometimes. And that's what Jesus is doing here is he has is, he is challenged them. And so last week, he challenged them to come from spectators to become a seeker. Instead of just watching he, he, uh, he encouraged them to step a little further. There was the first crowd that emerged from the crowd was seekers. They were the ones that ju- just wasn't spectating and just wasn't watching, but they wanted to begin to seek God. And you'll find throughout the word of God that everybody that received a miracle from God were people who were seekers. The woman with the issue of blood, she was sick for 18 years, but she never got a miracle just because she was sick. Listen, God is not attracted to our need. He's attracted to our faith and our faith is demonstrated by the way we seek him. And so the woman received her miracle because she went from being a spectator to being a seeker. Come on, somebody. So we talked about that, and we talked about not only uh, seeking God for natural things. Get me out of this, God. How many times I pray? Get me out of this weekend. Get me out of jail, Lord. Get me out of this uh, this fine, whatever, and I'll serve you, Lord. I'll straighten up. And I had some very close calls with death. You guys have heard some of those stories and all the time being a preacher's kid a prodigal son I knew how to pray. I, I knew how to say God get me out of that. I was making deals, but everything was superficial I was seeking God only for the natural and so the real heart of a believer goes from seeking God just for the natural But begins to seek God for the spiritual We'll really get into that today And then finally a believer is someone who's no longer curious, but is committed. That's a believer Well, today we go from, as I said, from a believer to a follower, and this is where you really find out where you are in those camps, because believers, a lot of times, I know even my own life when I first became a believer... Uh, there was a level of commitment there, but I must admit it was like a honeymoon season. It was, it was very, everything seemed to be coming together nice. I mean, I felt so good inside. I felt clean. Listen, when you really, really repent before God, he just cleanses you. He takes the, the shame, the guilt, and the sin is off of your life. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful feeling when you truly, truly repent. The Bible says there's even a clearing of your conscience. Come on, somebody. People say, man, you're going to church, they're going to brainwash you. I said, I don't don't know about you, but my brain needs power washed. (laughs) My brain was filthy, busted, and disgusted, and and still, it's still a process. How many would say amen? But I I remember getting in there and watching God just cleanse. I, I could worship. I just had a, people always ask me, Eddie, I know you came from a radical lifestyle and the gang life and the drugs and the alcohol. Man, and you got saved. What happened? Like they're waiting for me to say, Gabriel appeared to me. And we just had a, no, no, no. I didn't see anything. Nothing happened. The only thing I do remember is I felt safe. There was a feeling there that I felt safe, that I didn't need to to run no more. You know the feeling when a cop gets behind you and you realize all your tickets are paid, you got no warrants, you got good insurance? That safe feeling? Come on, somebody. Amen. Someone's honest today. That's that same feeling that you have when you you become a Christian. Do you remember? Hebrews even tells us, do you remember the former days when you first got saved? I mean, come on, the, the sky was bluer, the grass was greener. How many know know what I'm talking about? That's a change. And if it hasn't happened to you, you're in a good message today. You came to church. This is where God cleanses cleanses you. This is where it can happen for you today. You just got to be willing to open your heart and repent of your sins. That means turn away from it and say, God, I'm walking away from that life, and I'm walking into be a new life. I'm getting in that wheelbarrow, and I'm trusting that you're going to bring me through to the other side. I trust in you. Well, I... Sad to say, in a way, that that honeymoon stage does wear off sooner than later on some people, but soon, you still have that feeling, but then you begin to realize that there is a cross to carry in following Jesus. I ain't getting no help today. You start realizing that, yeah, God's with you, but you still have to live a life. You still got to go to work. You still have friends. You still have family. And guess what? They all didn't have that feeling that you did. And so you soon have to realize that it's a little bit harder than what you first thought. And this is happens for a reason because this is God's trying to separate you from just believing in him. When times are good and times are happy, he's wanting to separate you from that kind of a mindset and bring you into where there's no feeling at all. It's all raw faith and you're still committed to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you, all three of you. It's a little bit harder. It's life's a little bit tougher. Jesus said it like this. If anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and I love Luke's uh, translation, daily and follow me. There is a daily decision that you have got to make to follow Jesus. See, believers are more a lot like fans. There's even a small group we did on a fan or a follower. The Georges had it at their house. It's by Kyle Eidelman. It's awesome. And it, and it makes the, the comparison of a fan and a follower. A fan is someone who is just like Faye Weather. You know, sports season is here, football season is here. Greatest time on earth. Amen. And so, but you see, being a sports fan, you, you, there are fair weather. Fans, and then there are committed fans. You know what I'm talking about? You got people that show up, yeah, and they're they're rooting for their team. Like, who are we rooting for for again? You know, they're just totally lost. You got that kind of thing. But then you got your committed fans, diehard Detroit Lions fans that's going to stick with the team whether they win or not. It's getting harder to say every year, but man, come on, this is God. They're going to go to the Super Bowl one of these years. Amen. But But listen, let's bring that into the church world. In religion, you have the same thing. And and that's what I'm preaching this series for because I don't want, God doesn't want just fans. He don't just want people to say, I'm going to believe you when times are, are nice and when it's easy, but I'm willing to take up my cross, deny myself and follow you. That's what a follower is. A follower is someone who has to make that decision every single day. And I soon had to realize that this cross is heavy sometimes and and that, man, this is a lifestyle of denying myself, denying what I was used to do for 25 years. I was 25 years when I got saved. And my wife just turned 21, and now she's legally uh, able to come with me to the bars and the clubs. And I, well, she got in anyway before then. But anyway, this now she's legal. And so, but I mean, that's where I was in my mind. And, and I was used to, hey, doing whatever I want, saying whatever I want. You get me mad, I'm going to let you go. You got me mad, and I'm going to tell you in all kinds of different languages. Amen. I'm, I mean, I was so used to living my life the way I wanted to live it. But when you become a follower of Christ, you have to learn to deny yourself. To Deny what you're used to doing. Deny how the way you respond to that. Deny how you you give in to temptation. Deny to do that. Pick up the cross and stay in that wheelbarrow and follow Jesus all the way through. But then here, here, I hope you caught this in verse 63. Jesus gives us the secret. And this is where the crowd missed it. And he says in verse 63 about the Spirit. He says, it's the Spirit. That gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words that I've spoken to you—they are full of the Spirit and life. I love that. And here, here's the thing, people. The, Jesus is saying, "Your flesh is worth nothing. Your flesh—you can't serve me in the flesh. You, you can't carry your cross in the flesh." You, I remember before I became a Christian and I committed my life, there was two years of my life when I was counting the cost, when I was thinking about it in my mind, my life was just going worse and worse and worse. People around me were, were, were dying, some of them were going to prison, and the, the season of fun was over, and, 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 and sin was starting to reveal its, its true nature. I mean, all no, that sin is ugly, and sin comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And some of my friends got killed on the streets. God didn't do that. Sin did that. The enemy took them from us. The enemy does that. People get mad at God. God says, hey, I've come to give you life and more abundant me. Just pick up your cross and follow me if you want life, if you want to live. It's choices that you make. You're not a product of your, of your circumstances. You're a product of your choices. If I could be real with you today, somebody needs to tweet that. That's good. That came from heaven. It wasn't in the first service. It's decisions that we make. And so I remember during, during those two years that I was trying to clean up. I, would try, I couldn't even clean up my mouth. I would try to see if I could go without swearing. And it just, as soon as I got in traffic, yeah, I lost every time. I, 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 I tried to quit smoking, so I quit buying cigarettes. So, yeah, that does not work. Your friends start running from you when you start coming. They would say, Eddie, please start smoking because it's cheaper for both of us. uh, But I I tried to quit these habits. And drinking, I wasn't even going to try to tackle it. I tried to, you know, slowly just in moderation. I I tried to to do some of these things because I did have an understanding that when you become a follower of Christ, that there's some behaviors that God wants to clean up in our life. And and, and because those behaviors and those habits end up causing death and destruction. I had an aunt. Cancer is big in my family and smoking. and, And so I wanted to quit, not just... For you know, church or not, I just wanted it's not good. And and that's when cigarettes was three dollars a pack. We about lost our salvation when they went up to $250 a pack, and now they're like, whoa. I mean, imagine now taking a $20 bill for cigarettes. And those of you that smoke, you're hating me right now. I am just tormenting you right now, amen. But I'm telling you that God can deliver you and set you free. But here's the point that I tried to make. I tried to quit these habits, cussing and you know, cleaning up my life and and I couldn't do it. There was, there was nothing. There wasn't the power or the ability wasn't there. And it's because I didn't have the spirit of God helping me. And this is why the people didn't understand Jesus when he's talking about eating his flesh, drinking his blood. They're, they're thinking in a carnal mind that he's a cannibal. And, the, and just like they didn't understand the spirit. Listen, you can't be a follower of Christ without the help of the Holy Spirit. The moment I surrendered my life and I said, God, I don't know if I can live this life. I don't know if I I can be perfect and I can be all of that. I don't know. But here it is. And God said my first revelation he gave me. He said, Eddie, it's not about being perfect. It's about being committed. If you would just commit your life to me, I'll clean you up. I'll set you free. I'll change your desires. I'll clean up your mouth. I'll clean up those habits. Just trust me. Stay in the wheelbarrow. Take up this cross. And Follow me, and I'm telling you, it was a supernatural ability that I had that I didn't have before. It was amazing to me. I was even stayed out of jail for two months, and it was summer, and that was unheard of. Seriously, I ran into the, the bailiff at Sears in Lincoln Park. Benny is his name. I knew him on the first name basis. I'll never forget it. He looked through the crowd, and he's looking, and I'm saying, he had his white shirt, everything on. And I'm thinking, okay, my warrant's paid. And he comes through the crowd. Benny Cross, and he, or he comes up and he says, Hey, where you been? <laughs> True story. I said, Well, we've been where I've been. And uh, he goes, Where you been? It's been quiet. I said, Man, I've been going to church. I got my life right with God. And he, his tears. He's an older man, and tears begin to come up in this man's eyes who have been on the front lines of hardcore crime and seen, he's seen jailhouse repentance too. He's seen people say, give me out of this one. He's heard it. But there I was standing. Because let me tell you something. People are more attracted to finishers and followers yeah. than they are than people that say they're a believer. Yeah. Yeah. You want to get people's attention and be a follower. I'm trying to help us today to win some battles in our communities, win some battles in our families. And I said, I was able to do it because I gave my life to Jesus. And he said, man, this thing must work because if you can get saved. I know there's a God, and I said, that's right, and he goes, man, and the first thing he said is, I well, want you come back to the neighborhood, man. They need you, and I said, first, I got to make sure that I'm not going to go back into that neighborhood for the wrong reasons. And I said, I'm working on that, brother, and it did take me a while before I got stronger, and it is a process, but I want you to know right off the bat, this is just my introduction. I got some obvious things here, but then I want to get to the heart of a follower today, so I'm going to back off this area for a minute, but I, but, but I want you to see you got to have the, the heart of what it means to be a follower. But but if, if if you don't allow the Spirit of God to work in your life, and people's telling me when I first got I said, hey, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. My pastor was saying you need the power. You got to have the power. And I, and I I said so. I began to read in the Word of God about the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said, Jesus said that you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. To live this life, what to carry this cross? That's what he's saying. See, God even gives you the power and the ability to do it. So I begin to seek this. I begin to seek this this whole Pentecostal thing. It's not you know we call it Pentecostal, but it was it's not about being a label or a certain type or denomination of church. It's simply being a follower of Christ and filled with His Spirit. Come on, somebody. And I began to seek God for it. And I got filled with the Holy Spirit. It was the most powerful physical thing I've ever experienced in my life. There ain't no high like the most high. Right. Yeah. I remember getting prayer right in the living room of my mom and dad's house. And, my, and man, the Holy Ghost was just coming up on me. And I'm just feeling this something that I've never felt before that wasn't a substance. Right. Yeah. I remember I stopped and backed off and told my mom. I said, Mom, I'm buzzing. I said it just like that. She goes, What's the matter? I said, I'm buzzing. I felt so good. And I said, this is free? Seriously. In the living room, I said, I am buzzing. And my wife, she's never seen me cry. This was big for me. I remember I'm 25 years old. Just imagine me younger, more hair. And I'm standing in the living room and she's never seen me cry. I mean, I stood before a judge when he was going to give me 44 years in the penitentiary. And I'm just looking at him. I was hard hearted. Completely different person than what you're seeing today at Pastor Eddie. She's never seen me cry. I had two beautiful daughters and it's very emotional, very powerful, but you know, I was almost shed a tear there. But I was just, men don't cry. That, that, that's, that's how I was. I was so stupid. Is that the right word? <laughs> I was in Honduras, the stupido. I was so dumb. But I'm standing there in the living room of the house, and I'm praying to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And, man, something come over me, and I begin to just shake and tremble. And listen, I'm just—I didn't go into detail like this at 930, but I'm just telling someone needs to hear this today. And I begin to stop because it kind of scared me. It frightened me. And I was so prideful. I was so prideful. And I remember saying, man, I feel good. And my mom says, honey, just let loose. Just yield. Let God have his way in your life. And I just lift my hands up. I began to pray. i wanted God— I wanted more of God. See, a follower wants to, did you catch that part? If any man comes after me, let him pick up his cross. First, he said, if you come after me, if you desire to come after me, you, if you want to get something from God, you've got to learn to be a seeker. You've got to learn to go after it. Yes. Someone say, go after it power of the Holy Spirit comes, came into my life, I began to speak in this p- wonderful prayer language that I still speak in today, and it gave me more power. It, 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 it made my faith go to a whole new level. No one could tell me that it wasn't real because I experienced it. That's right. But His Word began to energize me. Now, let me, let me get into the heart of what I want to talk about today. That's all good. And all, absolutely, the Spirit of God. But I, I want you to see what is the heart of a follower? Why does a person follow Jesus the way that we hear and see in Scripture? Job followed Jesus. He stayed a follower. He stayed committed. How come the rest of these guys didn't leave when everyone else left? What makes a follower, my mom and dad, following Jesus for over 30 years? People have asked me, Eddie, how did you do it and how are you doing it? At 21 years, I one of my friends say, Eddie, I've tried everything. Man, how do you do it? I remember you. and People want to know how you do it. Well, I'm about to tell you how it's done. And I believe it's found right here in verse 67. His crowd left him. Now you got to picture this in your mind. He had thousands of people that were all around him. And they were all happy when Jesus was opening up their blinded eyes on their little children, when Jesus was handing out free fish and free, free chips, free chips and fish, whatever, free food. They were all on board. Oh, I love Jesus. I believe he's so awesome. Ooh, Jesus. Geez. They all were loving Jesus. They were all like, yeah, yeah, Jesus. And Jesus, all of a sudden, he turns around. He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, then get out of my face. That's what he says, in es- essentially. And they, and they go, this is a hard saying. Why? Because they didn't understand God. And what we're really determine a believer from a follower, is when you're able to stay committed and follow Jesus, even in the seasons when you don't understand. Yes. That is true, God. They leave. And Jesus don't chase them down. I would have thought, Lord, you're losing your crowd. You thought he would chase him down? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't sleep good last night. Listen, man, I was on social media too late. I mean, Thomas was having a crisis. The dude's always in something. Peter was running his mouth off. I'm sorry. I was in the flesh. I didn't sleep. didn't have my coffee. Did not have my coffee this morning. Come on back. I'm sorry about the whole flesh eating. I'm not a cannibal. I'm not into that. You know, hashtag I'm a vegan. No, I'm not. No, no, no. The, read your Bible. He, listen. He says to the crowd, nothing. He did not chase them down. He turns instead to his faithful group and he says, Are you also gonna leave me? Jesus was out cold, man. Do you see what's happening? He says, Are you also gonna leave me? This is where I believe we're gonna find. And Peter says, Lord, I could preach another hour just on that first word. He called him Lord. He didn't say rabbi. He didn't say teacher. He didn't say Christian dude. He said Lord. In the Greek, that word is is, um, master. It's, It's so big. It's a huge difference. But he says, Lord, to whom can we go? Only you have The words of eternal life. And also we have come to believe and to know that you are the Christ the Son of the living God. And here it is. In order to be a true follower of Christ, you and I, what makes the heart of a follower is that we got to go from believing to knowing. Hear me today, hear me today, hear me today. You got to go from believing the hype. That's Flavor Flav. Yes, I am. Used to say, don't believe the hype. (laughs) Okay, no one's... Everybody believes a hype. Everybody's easy to believe. I believe. I believe the Lions. I believe whatever team. They're already picking these guys before the season even started 11 and 5. They're already ESPNs picking Super Bowl winners. I'm like, dude, the game hasn't even, the season hasn't even well, kicked off Thursday, but these guys a chance. But we're so anxious to just jump on a bandwagon. We're so anxious to say this. And yeah, we can do this. But I'm telling you, there's the difference between a believer and a follower is you've got to go from just believing in God to know. Knowing God. I'm talking about a relationship with God. That's why I put this message in next week. We're going to talk more about a finisher and more some practical tips and all that. But I think this is the most important message in this series because it's the most important factor in being a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ. And that is you got to have the heart. You got to have a relationship with God because guess what? If you don't have a relationship with God, you and I will not carry our cross. If I don't keep my relationship strong with my wife, even though we're married, if I don't keep our relationship, you see it happen all the time. You end up falling and breaking that covenant. Same way with any other of your commitments. You got to have that relationship. It's got to be all about relationship. Can I tell you that you can know God? Have you ever thought of that? You can know God. You can have a relationship with God. The Bible says, let not a man glory in his strength. Let not a man glory in his wisdom. Let not a man glory in his wealth. But if a man glories, let him glory in this, the fact that he knows me and understands my ways, that I'm a God of love and of of mercy and of justice. In other words, he says, if you want to brag, don't brag about how much money you made this week. Don't brag about how this is going in your life. If you really want to brag about something, brag about the fact that you know me. Brag about your relationship with me. Brag about what I've done in your life. Brag about what I've set you free from. Brag about what I'm getting ready to do in your life. Brag about our relationship. Brag about us. The word no there, I gave you a Greek word last week. Let me give you one here. The word no here. It's very important. It's ganasko, which simply means to come to know intimately. And it also means experiential knowledge. Come to know intimately. Experiential knowledge. It means that you have arrived. The first part is there's actually a Jewish idiom which talks about a husband and a wife being intimate sexually from this word. When it says Adam knew his wife Eve, that's this word in the, in the Hebrew, it's the same root word that's translated into the Greek. It's an intimate word. This is the word that Jesus said on the day of judgment, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did I not attend church? Did I not prophesy? Did I not cast out devils in your name? And Jesus said, but I will tell them plainly, I never ganasko. I never knew you intimately depart from me. You married me you took my last name, but you never stayed at home to get to know me. You don't know me you don't know my desires you don't know my love my passions what hurts me don't hurt you what I love you don't love we are on two different pages baby depart from me for I know you not somebody say amen or oh my gosh John Brevere says one of my favorite Bible teachers of all time says that he had a vision of this day it is saying goosebumps on your back and goosebumps on top of goosebumps. It's amazing. He saw. He says what God showed him was the look on people's faces when they stood before. Gee, this is in your Bible. I'm not making this up. It's Matthew 7, 21. Then he goes on to say, build your house on a foundation, on a rock, and become not listeners only but doers of the word. How do you know you know God? You're doing, you're doing the word of God. As I said, it's not about being perfection. It's not about perfection. It's about being committed. Yeah, to know intimately. Paul said my number one vision my, or my number one mission statement in Philippians. He said, I've been educated in the most finest, finest places on earth. He came, from, he, came from, um, Saul, he came from Tarsus. Tarsus had the second largest library in the old ancient world. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He was educated. He was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was the the most, today he would be a PhD, had more degrees than a thermometer. He would be the most educated man that you've ever seen. He, He was the most bold man. He had a very good reputation, but he said, one thing that I do, is I forget all of those achievements that I've made in life, all the money, all everything, all my accomplishments. I, it's rubbish compared to one thing that I do: is forgetting the things in the past and I reach forward because all I want to do is to know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering. I just want to know God. I want to know Him. I want to know Him. I want what grieves His heart. I want it to grieve my heart. How he sees people, I want to see people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not on your political stance and not on your economic stance or the color of your skin. I want to see you the way Jesus sees you. I want to be with you the way God wants to be with you. I want to know you, God. And the second definition of that word is experiential knowledge. I'm hungry. i have a snack. I've been preaching all day experiential knowledge. It's like this orange. If you've never had an orange, I can open this orange and I can eat it in front of you, which is very rude. But I can tell you, I can say, Tyler, this thing is the, have you ever had an orange? And you say, no, even though you did, you can lie in church just right now for this demonstration only. (laughs) And he would say, no, I would then try to describe to you, right? I would then tell you, you got to peel this thing. It's a lot of work sometimes, but it's worth it when you get a fresh orange. How many orange people we got? Okay, amen, amen. When I went to Honduras, man, they give you mangoes and papayas and avocado. I mean, they just, it's so blessed here. Here we got to go to Kroger and hope it's in season. And anyway, but um, you have to uh, peel this back and then it's citrusy when you bite it. And it's just burst in your mouth or bust, burst, burst. Burst in your mouth with with fruity flavor and it just explodes. Your taste buds just go, ooh, it's so good. Her grease. I mean, it's just wonderful. You got to taste it. And then soon I'll run out of words, right? I'll say, it's just. It's so good. It's fruity. And then you're like, what? Is it like an apple fruit? And No, no, it's citrusy. It's orange. It's not like a tangerine. It's not like a grapefruit. It's an orange. And And that's informational knowledge. But then what this scripture says is it's experiential knowledge. What means there comes a point in time when you say, oh, forget it. Taste it yourself. Peel the orange yourself. Bite into it yourself. And as the scripture says, taste and see that the Lord, he is. Is good. Woo! Come on, somebody. That's what this is. Peter said, I ain't going nowhere, God, because no one told me that you were faithful. Oh, I need some organ help today. No one told me that you're going to be the fourth man in the fire. No one told me that when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're going to be. No one had to tell me I experienced it myself. That's why I'm not going nowhere. That's what makes a real follower, church, is when you have it and you've come to the place, you've arrived to the place, the knowledge that nothing good exists outside of God. So I have this one point up here today that I want to try to close on, and this is what you need to know. A follower of Christ is a believer who has come to know that nothing good exists outside of the relationship with God. Come on, come on, come on. Be honest with you, I can sit up here for four hours and tell you what not to watch, what not to do. Don't smoke, chew, or run with those who do. And I can sit up here and try to tell you your best. But honestly, if you don't have this relationship thing, this Gnosco thing going with God, you ain't gonna last two days. How many New Year's resolutions have you kept? We're in September. Ain't no one kept nothing. Why? Because it's, it's a commitment. It's getting in the wheelbarrow based upon emotion. And there's nothing wrong with being emotional about God. I'm not saying that. But what I'm telling you, if you want to go to the next level, what Jesus is doing here, if you really want to change the trajectory of your family, moms and dads, then you don't just just come through the motions you've got to have this in your heart you've got to come to the point that you know that there is nothing good outside of your relationship with god it may be it may bring you temporary uh, pleasure for a moment but in the long run you know it leads to destruction it leads to pain it violates your relationship with god and for that reason I'm out oh, I had to say that come on come on but for that reason, I'm not going to give in to the flesh. I'm going to close with this. Pastor Steve, won't you come? Make me close a little faster when I know you're coming on your way. <laughs> There's actually a scripture for this. This is James, the half-brother of Jesus. This dude did not even believe in Jesus until after he rose from the dead. And watch how he starts. Do not be deceived. <sighs> Because we're so easily deceived that we can get what we want outside of God. That's why he says, Don't be deceived. Every, everyone say every. Every, Every. what does every mean? Greek, Spanish, I don't care. It means everything. Every good thing and every perfect gift comes from the Father. Why is this so powerful? Because this is what got us all into trouble right now is Adam and Eve did not believe this. What a mess you up in your marriage, listen to me men and women, is when you soon start to believe that you can get something gooder outside of that covenant. Now I understand that there are failed marriages that people violate and break that covenant. There are innocent people in divorce. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you being a man or woman of God this will keep your marriage together. This will keep your walk with God together. Temptation, this is what will keep you from falling into temptation. It is satisfying, like I said, a temporary pleasure, but you've got to come to the agreement that like Peter said, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. Not because I'm afraid of hell. Now I could go another whole route and shake your theology and go and bring you a bunch of scriptures on that. But I'm telling you, let me just get real with you, man. If it ain't in your heart to serve God, you ain't gonna serve God. If i got to beg you to get saved, then I'm going to have to beg you to stay saved. And I'm getting older hell of smoking. God ain't joking. I'm tired of playing games. When you're ready to serve God, then come see me. I mean, I'm going to come after you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to pray for you. But until you hit rock bottom in that pig pen and you finally say, hey, there's no other place than home. There's no other good or perfect gift outside of my relationship with God. Then we can't even get it going. We can't even get a relationship going. God wants to know if we got some believers in the house or does he have some followers at a 70, savage, Bell- Michigan. Stand to your feet if you're a follower. Stand to your feet if you want to be a follower in this place. Come on, stand to your feet right now if you're in this place. You say, I want to be a follower. I want to be a follower. Come on, lift those hands to me. Come on, I'm going to bring you to that sea of Galilee. I was there in November. That's beautiful. This happened on the southeast corner of that sea, guys on the opposite side of where we went and watched where the Mount of Olives took place. I want to bring all of you to that shoreline, and I want you to picture this Jesus who you, have, you adore. He has healed and saved, and he has done so many good things for you and your family. He's been good. You've been struggling, but he's still there. And he turns to you that day, and he has you go through a season that you don't understand. Because if it hasn't happened, yet it's going to happen. Or you don't answer a prayer that you really wanted him to answer. You fasted and prayed. I want to bring you to that point where you're so frustrated, you ever been there, So frustrated with God, so frustrated because you don't understand where it is. And I want to whisper in your ear from God Himself and say, "Do you want to quit?" Because when you get to that breaking point, and you will be there, I've been there several times, that voice is there, and I've learned that it's not always the devil. This wasn't the devil. You would have thought the devil said, Peter, you want to quit? A good coach will come up and grab you by your face mask when he knows that you've got more in you. Now, if you're sorry, he's not gonna do this. But if he knows you're a great player, you're just holding back. He's gonna, when he sees you having a pity party, he's not gonna let you go. He's gonna grab you by your face fast. and he's gonna say, Do you really wanna quit? Do you really wanna throw everything away? Do you wanna make this whole team suffer? If not, then get in the game. And that's what I wanna bring everybody to right now in this moment. I wanna ask you, Do you wanna quit? Father, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, I'm not in a hurry right now. We're just going to let the Holy Spirit move, move over this crowd. Your word has went forth. Father, you're ministering to hearts right now. And Father, I pray that you bring every believer into this pl- in this room to a pl- place of decision to become a follower. Father, let us have that ganasco. Father, we don't speak Greek and you know that, but God, we want that meeting. We want that same definition that, Lord, we've come to know. We want to intimately know you. We want to know that you're with us, Father. We want to have that kind of faith in Jesus' name. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand up. Come on, you want to be a follower, 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 follower. You've been struggling. You've been on the fence. You want to be a follower, follower. Hands up, hands up, hands up, hands up. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Holy Spirit, you see every uplifted hand in this place. Father, I can't do this part. I can't do any of this. Father, I pray that you will reveal yourself in such a powerful way to every uplifted hand here today. Father, God, let them begin to hate the things you hate. Give them the strength and the power to overcome the temptation. The power and the ability to carry that cross, Father, to delete those contacts, to to not go over that area when normally it's Friday night or it's Tuesday lunchtime or, or it's this. Father, I pray, help us to carry our cross, Father. Bring followers out of this group. Father, bring us from believers to followers in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to open these altars, and if you need prayer for anything, maybe you're struggling in some of those areas. Maybe you just need prayer because you're going to the doctor this week or whatever. If you need prayer, I want you to come out of your seat today. I want you to come up, line up across the front of this church, and we're going to close out with us praying over you. We're going to sing this one last song, and I'm going to dismiss the rest of you in just a minute and relieve our volunteers. But right now, if you need prayer, come on up, fill this middle up. Don't be afraid. Come over here, fill this whole middle up. If you need prayer for anything today, Maybe you're struggling, you're wanting to switch your commitment level over. Come on, just come on up. Get your mind and eyes on God, lift your hands to the Lord right now. Come on, you're you're the 12 that's coming out of the crowd. Some of you are. Some of you just need a, a miracle and a healing, whatever it is. The rest of you, will you just reach your hand this way? Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people.